Good evening, everybody. This is Grizzly from Coast to Coast. How's everybody doing today? Uh, we have a special guest in the house. Hello, everybody. We have Katie Page. Hello, Katie. How are you doing? Introduce yourself. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I am Katie Page. I am here. We have um, snow coming down all day today in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. Wow, snow. Well, where I'm at, it is 76 degrees out and sunny. Oh, so I cannot complain. Yes. <laughs> that sounds so nice. <laughs> so, what do you do? I understand that you are extremely busy for what you do. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I have my degree in graphic design, visual communications, and I retired from that years ago. And I do basically UFO research full time. So I joined the MUFON, which is the Mutual UFO Network back in 2012. I came right in as a field investigator, really just seeking answers to experiences that my family and I had on a ranch in Colorado. Um, very similar to the Skinwalker Ranch, if you guys, uh, if your listeners are familiar with the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. So basically, I just kind of, you know, was, you know, I did what most people do, right? You, you graduate high school, I got married, I had a family, you know, went to college, did all that. And then all those pesky questions never were answered and i kind of started out years ago as a big huge fan of the ghost hunters of course you know jason and grant and did right. a, a few, you know did the stanley uh, hotel events in estes park with them and flew down to the saint augustine lighthouse in florida which was like my favorite episode where the the ghost is looking down so i've mm -hmm. kind of always had like paranormal things around me but the the phenomenon that we experienced on that colorado ranch um you know, it was just this huge mystery. So I, I'm just been seeking answers to that ever since. Yeah, it's it's a never ending. I know that in the, the yeah. paranormal community is something else. It's like it's never ending, right? Uh, it's a book that the chapter is always ongoing and the page keeps turning. I always tell people uh, we always think we know the answer, but we never do. Uh, it's a never ending story, as uh, I always like to put it. Uh, from my understanding, didn't you just get done speaking with Congress or something? I did not speak with Congress, but I know there was representatives within MUFON that were speaking with Congress. Yes. And in fact, that's kind of, you know, the big news coming out of MUFON just recently is, you know, they're so um, ancient aliens just on Friday did a big MUFON show. It was all about the mutual UFO network. Um, I didn't even know, but you could see me a few times in that, that episode. <laughs> I was like, oh, man ancient aliens but anyway but in that show they actually publicly state that yes they're, they're going to be working you know with the government and trying to answer some of these questions and of course as you know and many of your listeners know it's been a crazy week all these things are shooting down right yeah it, it really is and uh it's very interesting because at this time we don't know what they are right and it's not like our government or the world's coming forward and saying, yes, they are extraterrestrial <laughs> alien aircraft that we are knocking out of the atmosphere. They're not telling us anything. So we're sitting on our tushes, sitting here wondering, what are we knocking down? Uh, are they more balloons or what are they? I mean, do you have any insight to that? 
Well, I mean, I have my own personal opinions and I'm not speaking for MUFON here because I know officially MUFON is like what you said. They're kind of sitting back, kind of waiting to learn more information before they make an official statement. But I certainly have my own personal opinions. I mean, the timing of all this occurring right after the Chinese spy balloon is very suspicious. Um, I've done a little bit of research on the regulations for, you know, weather balloons and balloons in general. And a lot of what we do as investigators, you know, if somebody sees something unusual in the sky, they'll send a report into MUFON, it'll come into the states. I'm the Colorado state director, and then we'll hand it down to our field investigators in the state. And a lot of what the field investigators do, you know, sometimes they'll go on site if, if it's, um, you know, a real close encounter or something. But most times we're looking at flight radar 24 and Stellarium and heavens above and all these different um, applications on the computer. And I can tell you that on flight radar 24, they do track certain balloons. You can track the Google Loom balloons. They show up on there. And from what I've researched for balloons, they're highly regulated. I mean, here in the city of Denver, you can't fly a drone over the city more than, you know, 900 feet in elevation without, I mean, you need a license to do this. Oh, wow. What I've researched about weather balloons, you know, typically they don't stay up longer than a couple hours and, and they have to track them because we have aircraft flying around. So I know the media has come out saying that these possibly could be balloons and we're just noticing them now because we were, we're looking more carefully. Um, I've even heard somebody say that they're ramping up the radar systems and I'm like, that makes no sense to me. Like, you know, balloons are regulated. So if they're balloons, I think we would know they're balloons. What stumps me and what keeps me on the fence about um, are these extraterrestrial in nature? And maybe some are and some aren't. But you hear these reports of these pilots saying that whatever they shot at messed with their instrumentation on their aircraft. And weather balloons or spy balloons don't mess with pilots' instrumentation. You know, that's a whole other ball of wax. So, yeah, I think I'm going to have to tend to agree with you on that one. And uh, yeah. That uh, changes the ball in my basketball court, I believe. Uh, <laughs> and it's just like not out of nowhere that we're just starting to see these things, right? Now, I spoke to a guy a few months ago, and uh, he was telling us on the show that they had to outfit the fighter planes with a new imaging device to see these aircrafts because before they couldn't find them on radar, but they were there. They were seeing them, but they couldn't identify them. Right, which is interesting because that kind of lines up to some of the reports we hear out of Skinwalker Ranch, where you have military grade binoculars that are seeing these basically portals open up and a creature coming out, you know, maybe possibly a Sasquatch creature or interdimensional beings or crypto creatures. Um, and if you're just looking with your eyes, you can't see these things. So are they just now figuring this out in the skies? I mean, that's kind of crazy, right? Well, you know, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, what, what's really strange is, and, and I always bring this up anytime we talk about UFOs or UAPs. I always go back to the movie Independence Day with Will Smith. Good and one. the reason why I bring this up is a lot of people still don't realize this. That movie was scrubbed, I think, 13 times by the government, approximately 13 times before it was released to the market for us to watch. 
Interesting. Now, why in the world would the government be so involved in that movie to be scrubbed before it was released to us to watch right. it? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, yeah. and I know they were involved back in 1977 when Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out. We yeah. had Jalen Hynek on that film as well. I mean, they've always had their hands in things, which brings up another great point. Like, I know we're all kind of glued to the media and, and looking for, you know, the truth to come out about what they're shooting down. But what makes us think that they're going to tell us the truth now? They've been hiding the truth since 1947, as far as I could tell. So I, I'm not one to sit there and believe it, everything that's being told to us publicly. I'm, I, I think there's just much more to this story. I think it's, you know, probably more complex. You know, just like with, you know, researching the ranch here in Colorado, I was always um, seeking a simple explanation, like, was this UFOs? Was this military? What, what was this? And we can get into a lot of what happened out, out on that ranch here in a moment. But I think the true answer is that it's a combination of these things. And perhaps some of them are balloons. Maybe one of them wasn't. I mean, I don't know. You know, I know that, you know, if I was an extraterrestrial being, I would be really watching what's been going on with us in the last few years. I mean, things have sort of been a little nuts here. So maybe we are being monitored. I don't know. So I'm, I'm, you know, just like, like all of us, I'm, I'm out there just trying to gather what I can, but you get so many mixed reports on, on, you know, what the truth is and maybe perhaps we'll never know. Well, and you actually make a good point. Now I do agree with you. Uh, I do believe in the ancient civilization theory. Uh, I do watch it all the time. I'm a firm believer in that. I mean, there's no way in heaven that we come from the Stone Age and look at us today. iPhones, Apple, laptops, the, the, the technology we have from 120 years ago. Really? Come on. The first calculator took up a whole floor of the government building. Really? I mean, the first computer, I mean, the first computer I bought was like $2,800. It was like 130, 133 gigahertz, right? Right. And I had to finance it back in the 90s, right? And I thought I was the top dog and I had a flatbed scanner with it. And it was a dial-up. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Do, do, do. Yeah, right. And that's when we had AOL and Yahoo and everything like that. And right. uh, I'm only 48, so now I'm dating myself, ladies and gentlemen. But <laughs> You know, you, you look at the technology, the technological, well, I can't even speak, advances that we made. And then they tell us that the military is probably 50 years or plus ahead of us. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. yeah. I, I had a very interesting encounter with a gentleman. Um, I was in Canyon City, Colorado to give a presentation on the ranch. And I tend to be early everywhere I go. And I, you know, was gosh, at least an hour and a half early for this particular one. And I went into the building next to mine and it was the local newspaper. And um, there was a gentleman there who was a extreme high up in General Electric. And he, he's like, so what are you here to do? And I'm like, well, you know, you're not gonna believe it, but I'm gonna, and he's like, oh, you're kidding. We ended up talking for an hour. And, and this gentleman oh, wow. who worked back engineered, I mean, he basically told me like just what you said, we're at least 40, 50 years ahead. He was telling me about this closet in General Electric. Cause you know, um, 
they contract a lot of this work out because you can't FOIA General Electric for this information, right? If they're back engineering metamaterials or whatever. And he said there was a closet where you weren't allowed to take paper, pencil, pens. I mean, anything you got out of there was in here, basically. And he says to me, he says, you know what, what they really wanted uh, off of Nancy Pelosi's laptop? And I'm like, no, what? And they said, well, China's been trying to acquire parts of General Electric that has that information for a very long time. And, and that was all part of it. And um, I need to get back there and, and interview the gentleman because, you know, he's retired. Wow. He has kind of nothing left to lose. And I find that, you know, these um, these people that are retired and getting up there in years, they're the ones you want to, you know, they're like, hey, I got nothing left to lose anymore. And they spill it. And those yeah. are to me, the I best mean, interviews. To and they do. Right. And uh, you're absolutely right. And I actually interviewed somebody uh, that actually worked during the Cold War that was in the remote viewing program for the U.S. government against the uh, Russia uh, program. They used to spy on each other. And that was very, very interesting to learn about that program and how they did each other and what they did. And, and in 2015, they got to meet each other and they went to Moscow and, and they got to meet the head KGB and everybody. And that was pretty interesting. Wow. So yeah. They actually just... wrote a book about it, but. Oh, wow. So I just. Recently... Get, yeah. They, they don't have anything to lose. Right. Right, right. Yeah, I just recently learned quite a bit about remote viewing and the protocols they go through and how they do that. I mean, these are not psychics or clairvoyants. I mean, these people are really well trained in what they do. And it was really interesting to learn about remote viewing and, and how that's done and how that's been used in the past. And, and to my knowledge, it's still being used today, you know, within certain sections of the government. Yeah, well, see, and I always say there's so much that, well, basically the bottom line, I'll be honest with you, I don't think we can handle the truth. You know, uh, everybody's like, well, they're showing us video footage of leaked footage of UFOs and UAPs. And I'm like, well, okay, well, if you want to believe that. But what about all the other videos that people have been taking for years, right? Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Now, I know little Johnny's out there with his little computer program making fake videos and stuff. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have that. We're going to have the fakers, the haters, the one of these out there doing the hoaxes and everything. I know that. Yeah. But you know what? There are the real deals out there, like the <laughs> Phoenix Lights, remember? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, how, how can you fake that? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's something, you know, I um, really love to go to archives and research. And, um, you know, I kind of when I first started out on this journey, I came in more as a skeptic when it came to especially when it came to like alien abductions. Um, I, I, I've always believed that there's obvious life out there in the universe. Now, whether that life could make it to earth was a whole other question for me. So I came at it with a lean on, like um, for this ranch in particular in Colorado, my sister and I were threatened and warned never to talk about what happened out there when I was a kid. So I'm like nine to 12 years old during the height of all this. And, and this was back when Linda Moulton Howe, she was an investigative journalist here in Colorado and was really involved in all of these mutilations that were occurring at the time. And these weren't just cows, these were horse and sheep and, uh oh, there's my phone. 
um, sorry, I should have, um, horse and sheep and even dog. Um, and she actually did a, a movie uh, called A Strange Harvest out here. And she speaks with uh, under Sheriff Bill Wall and George Arnell out at Elbert County and all this stuff. But what's really fascinating is my sister and I, we didn't know anybody knew anything about this property. We never knew it was investigated. We never knew it was reported. We just know what we experienced there and that we were told never to talk about it. So, you know, fast forward to 2013, I purchased a book entitled Hunt for the Skinwalker by Colm Kellyher, PhD, and George Knapp. And I start reading this book and I get to the chapter Other Hot Spots and they're talking about this Colorado ranch that predates the Skinwalker Ranch. And I'm like, I knew the interesting dynamics of the family and that and in there they talk about three PhDs that were actually investigators on the property. Dr. Leo Sprinkle, PhD, Peter Van Arsdale, PhD, and John Dura, seismologist, were PhD, were all out there investigating this ranch property. Well, I was like, first of all, I was shocked that anybody even knew anything about it. And then secondly, that people were investigating it. So I quickly, um, I, I was not the state director at the time. I, I contacted my state director and got Dr. Leo Sprinkle's contact information. And he was a um, hypnotherapist and a um, psychologist out of Laramie, Wyoming, and was actually a real pioneer in the abduction past life world. And I went and met with him and verified that it was indeed the ranch of my childhood and spent three and a half years going back and forth to his archives going through boxes and boxes and boxes of letters that people had written to Dr. Sprinkle, um, which culminated into a book that I finished. But um, I did get the original documents and anybody can go there and find this information. You just go to the Heritage Center and anybody can go to the archives and pull all of this data. Um, but in there is where I learned that there was a he heavy military presence on the property. And so how this ties back to my being a little bit skeptical, for a, quite a long time, I was thinking that perhaps a lot of that activity on the ranch were black access projects or MK Ultra or the military doing nefarious tests on cattle for whatever reason, whether they're checking, you know, the groundwater or right. toxins, mad, mad cow disease, whatever. Um, but since that time, my research has taken me to that the activity out in this area way, way predates the military activity. So now I'm of the belief that things have been happening there and are still happening there to this day. Um, and the military was aware of it and came in there. So, you know, I think the unusual activity predated the military involvement and it's still continuing to this day. So I think it's a combination of both things happening at the same time, you know, just like now, like I think there's perhaps both things happening, maybe balloons and maybe some are surveillance from who knows where, you know? Yeah, and I totally agree <laughs> with you. And, and, you know, I mean, something, what is it? Three school buses long. I mean, come on, like Noran's not going to see that coming across. I mean, really, come on, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we're America. You know, we are going to see what's coming. Um, actually, I don't think uh, we can actually handle the truth, to be honest. I don't think the American citizens can handle the truth. I think that if they came out and said, 
ladies and gentlemen, this is a national broadcast. We have aliens here in the United States among us. Uh, I think there'll be uh, pandemonium. I think there'll be uh, mass hysteria. Uh, I think uh, the world probably would be just in just just a panic mode. I really do. I don't know. Yeah, what I think if that happened, I think the response would be, uh, what's going on with the Super Bowl? And let's talk about that halftime show. I'm shocked. <laughs> like, we're shooting down all these unknown objects, unknown. I've heard some news call them UFOs, which I thought was strange, too, because haven't we spent the last how many years switching it from UFO to UAP? And then all of a sudden, the networks are saying UFO. I'm like, what's that about? And, and secondly, I'm like, okay, we're shooting these things down. The news, every news network is talking about it, and people are talking about the halftime show. Like, and I'm just like, what's know, going right? on here? I yeah. think it's interesting. And then also, were you aware too? There was like the largest mass um, uh, sun corona ejection yeah. that happened in synchronicity at the same time, and and the instruments around the world that constantly record the Schumann residence around our planet also went dark. And yeah. I'm like, all this happened all at the same time. So it's these kind of outlier events, you know, the missing rocket on, on the one jet, he shot two, the one they don't know what happened. I'm like, how can you shoot a rocket and not know where it went? Like, that's kind of terrifying, actually, if you think about it. I thought yeah, we had a better right. handle on these things. And hmm. as much money as we spent into those rockets, yeah. you know, where we aim is where it goes. And we can put those rockets into a window where you're looking out and smiling at, right? Yeah, I know. Wherever. And yeah, so know, you know, it's wild. It is. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of things does not add up. I agree with you. It makes you yeah. wonder. It's that hmm factor, I always yeah. say. Just uh, like that, that case in um, Tyran, Iran, where they had, you know, these fighter jets, um, moving in on an unknown object, a UFO, and it did. It, it took down their instrumentation, same kind of thing, um, you know. So it's kind of reminiscent of that encounter. Um, why, why this is happening now is a little suspicious, in my opinion. Is it a distraction from the American people looking at something else that's going on? Or for years now, um, people have been talking about this false flag, you know, alien invasion attack to perhaps since COVID is over, they need something now to globalize um, regulations in that. And what better way to do that than to say, oh my gosh, we're being attacked by aliens. We all need to, you know, spend trillions of dollars on new whatever. I mean, so who knows what's going on, but it's been interesting to watch to say the least. You know, it is. it is. And where's it going to end? And, and that's the problem. And then you got possibly World War Three on the edge of brink yeah. of starting. You know, we have no idea. And then you got other countries that are sitting there, you know, hoping to hit a button, maybe to, to just start launching rockets at us, nuclear warheads for no reason, just to, to participate, to join in on the game. And and then, yeah. you know, we, we heard in the past that UFOs or UAPs that can manipulate our missile silos. Now, are they coming around because we're, we're being active? And they're like, hello, you're not going to destroy each other. We're going to stop you all. Is that what's okay. going on? I mean, I don't yeah. know. That's a really good theory. I mean, you, you know, most 
listeners know that, you know, the Foo Fighters of World War II, these, the, you know, I think. And then, of course, in um, New Mexico, where we're doing the atomic bomb in Roswell and all. I mean, we had Aztec and so many different crashes there. I, th you know, around missile silos, we had the Francis Warren, Francis B. Warren and Warren in Cheyenne, Wyoming, mass sighting there, right over our missiles there uh, and our nukes. So I do think there's a correlation. I mean, the, the research in the historical data shows there's a correlation between our weapons of mass destruction and UFOs. Um, now, I don't necessarily believe that they're necessarily worried about us as humans. They're probably thinking like we're dangerous. We're, you know, we're fighting each other for hundreds of years or thousands of years. We're like, I'm sure a lot of these ETs have given up on our species, but I do perhaps think they might care about our planet. It might not let us blow up our planet. So I don't know. I don't know what the end game is. I don't know if it's false flags. I don't know if it's spy balloons. I, I'm not sure, but I think it's important to, to not um, cherry pick the data and to try and take it all in and to also understand that the government I don't think we'll, I don't think they're ever going to be a hundred percent transparent with us because there's too much money and power involved in all these things. And also like you stated, I mean, there's wars at stake here, so they have to be really careful in what and how they report these things, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you. Now, if I was an alien, okay. And I've been watching the human race for, let's say thousands and thousands of years, right? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be too concerned in the beginning because in the beginning, they would probably be hitting each other with sticks and stones, <laughs> right? No big deal, right? Hitting each other right. on the head with clubs, dragging around, me, Captain Caveman, you know, no big deal. Uh, but then, you know, they start using bows and arrows and, you know, no big deal. But And then, as you know, as they progress, you know, they learn how to use black powder and whatnot. Yeah, still no big deal, right? But then, you know, they get kind of curious. The next thing you know, they make nuclear bombs. And then, like, hello, we see something on right. the edge of the galaxy from way, way far away that grabs our attention. We're going to come check you out and see what in the world have you developed. Right. No idea that you were capable of doing. Yeah. And uh, I think that probably woke something, something or somebody up somewhere. And yes, I think they are concerned about our world. I don't think about us really. Uh, because, you know, what happened to all the other civilizations in the world? Right. right. And of course, and there's always the theory that we are them. We are the ET. And perhaps they messed yeah. with our genetic codes. And if so, did certain races... Um, you know, let's say, I, I know people like to throw out the reptilians and let's say the Nordics and the greys and all these things. And if they mess, if different species messed with our DNA, did different fashions come in and are they at war with each other? Like, you know, hey, it's all your fault that they're so violent, blah, blah, blah. Like, is that going on? And in fact, in in the the Colorado ranch and the report I got. So when John Schusler, who is one of the, the founding fathers of MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, learned of my um, connection to the Colorado ranch, he bestowed upon me the original briefing document of everything that occurred oh, wow. out there. And there was so much activity that occurred out there, one of which there, um, I never witnessed ET beings out there, but a, a handful of other witnesses did. And there was rumored to be two types of ETs on that 
ranch property. One was very unusual looking, something I had never seen before. So when I found the original drawings in Dr. Sprinkle's archives, I kind of put them in my back pocket and I didn't show them anywhere because I had never seen anything like in magazines and books in popular films or whatever. And I kind of kept it to myself to see if I could find anything else out there that would match. And the other type of beans were like Nordics. And according to the report, these two beings were in conflict with one another and you know just like don't mind us we won't mind you kind of deal right and then also on the ranch property we had these very unusual boxes that were seen out there um and they were lit they would make this strange bee sound almost like an electrical kind of uh noise and if you got close to the box it would change um, tones into like an angry bee sound and these boxes would disappear these disappearing boxes were also seen by bill wall the sheriff um, and he witnessed one of these boxes on a hill he knew there was no road there nothing it was by a tree he did not want to approach this box so he goes into the town gets a posse sheriff to go back with him when they got back they saw the tree he said the tree and the box it disappeared almost as if it went into the ground, sort of like a portal type of thing. Wow. You know? Yeah. So I'm like, holy cow. And then, of course, you know, we've heard about these same boxes at Skinwalker Ranch. We've heard about this big, huge box they caught on floor with Trey Hudson, the, the South's Skinwalker Ranch, you know, the high strangest ranch down there with Trey. Um, and so there's something to that. I'm not sure what it is, but it's very unusual. Not to mention the Sasquatch sightings out there as well on the property. No, you're right. Uh, you're absolutely right. Now, somebody put up here, and I was going to bring this up. It says, in 1959, the USA was putting nukes in the balloons. They went up to blow up in the air and attacked the electric grid first, then the water. Uh, I think uh, also Japan, if I'm not mistaken, was doing that as well. Uh, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. And somebody else said that there was an old video that was filming a rocket up, uh, was got up in the air and a UFO was spotted and it sent a laser out and uh, beep down the middle and the film got really lost and it was funny. So, uh, yeah. I know. mean, what a great way. I mean, that is a great way to take out our grid systems, right? I mean, if you can sneak in via balloons or whatever, I mean, they can take, down, I mean, that's kind of a scary thought. I hope everybody out there has three months of food and water. And you know, I mean, and yeah, you're right. You're I'll right. never forget that broadcast. You're absolutely right. 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 Because yeah. back then it was EMPs, you know, remember those electronic uh, magnetic pulse right. bombs and EMP bombs? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, somebody out there in our listener says, we do. We actually have uh, three months worth of reserve. Yeah. So. I'm yeah, you should. Does. Every person should. I mean, not not just, you know, ET attacks or power grid attacks, but I mean, weather. I mean, I'm snowed in here now. I'm glad I have a few cans of soup, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah, right. so, I mean, it's just a smart idea to have it, you know, just your basics. You know, I I, I thought about years ago, um, you know, my full on like prepper kind of thing. But then you have to take I'm like, do I really want to survive something that bad if I got to fight my, you know, I'm like, eh, I don't know. But um, yeah, three months is always a good rule of thumb. You know, if you, you were stuck in your house for three months. It really yeah. is. Not only that, but, you know, let's take it not of it as a ET encounter, but let's look at it as a natural disaster. 
let's say your power, a uh, uh, winter storm right. has come and knocked out your electricity and you're down without power. Uh, you're not going to be able to go to McDonald's and eat, right? Wendy's or Burger King or wherever you're going to go to get your fast food. And if you don't have food at home, what are you going to do? Right. Uh, now you're going to have to worry about your neighbors coming over and, and uh, pilfering through your uh, house and uh, trying to get your food and stuff. So, uh, yeah, so being a prepper, there's nothing wrong with that. No, uh, I do believe in having water and dry goods. Yes, I do. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that at all. No, no. Even my mom back, you know, I don't want to date myself, but I can remember under our stairway, they had these big old cans, you know, you know, of, you know, 15 year old food and powdered milk and all that. Of course, we never right. needed it, but we had it if we needed it. Ended up in a dumpster when we moved out. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so. Uh, some of the other things, you know, reported that I found at Dr. Leo Sprinkles. So there was a report that his name was Warren, Warren, and then it was redacted out. So his last name was redacted. And it said Warren Blank from Camp Carson, which is a military base here in Colorado Springs, was on the ranch property, was behind the ranch house, felt something take over his mind, made him walk towards the woods, would release him. And then he would run back to the ranch house. And this did this to him five times. Question wow. number one, why is there a soldier from Camp Carson on the ranch property? That's the first question. Number two, what is this taking over the mind? Was that the ET connected, these strange ETs that were reported seen there that I feel might be connected to these strange boxes? So these ETs, they had a really heavy brow. They had not big, huge wraparound eyes like you see a lot of aliens have, but probably double our size eyes, so larger eyes. They had wrinkles on the forehead, wrinkles around the mouth. They had these strange tubes that came out. They had these almost spider-like arms, spider-like legs, and this weird kind of almost like a protection thing over their torso um, wow. helmet. So very strange looking. And what's really fascinating about this is at the time that I was researching all this, I was the guest speaker coordinator for Colorado MUFON chapter. And I had invited a gentleman to come speak for us that had written a book called Flashbacks. And his in the book, his property was reported to be in Castle Rock, Colorado. But after getting to know him, he changed the location and it turned out he was another another little town and he his house and the ranch property were 14 miles away. OK, this was around the same decade. And I'm sitting there watching his presentation in the third row and up comes these drawings of these ETs that he had witnessed and his children on his property. And you can't get any closer like same eyes, same wrinkles, same things. And then he had the tubes in his ne in the neck, but he said those tubes came out. So one drawing had the tubes in the neck. The other one had the tubes out, like the one that matched the drawings wow. from the ranch. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, how does that? I mean, that to me was validation like oh my gosh and that kept happening over and over again for me that's been the the best part for me as an investigator researching this 
this phenomenon is like my sister and I had memories um, of tossing the Frisbee in front of the ranch house and looking down. It was like a spring day in Colorado where you have that wet, heavy snow. We looked down and there's dry dirt under us where no vegetation grew. And we're like, that is so weird. Like, why is the, why is there this perfect circle and everything's dry and there's wet snow on the outside of it and everything else is wet. Turns out, that was in some of the reports that I found at Dr. Sprinkles and they had measured, there were two actually circles. I only witnessed one, but the one that my sister and I witnessed was 75 feet in diameter. Whoa. And in the report, they said there were drops of blood in the snow outside the snowless circle. And I was like, we're not crazy. There it is in the report, you know, like wow. having the, those memories validated for for us was like it's and it, and it keeps happening that things that we remember other people are witnessing or it's been written about in the report and for me that is so so great because when you're that young when you're nine to twelve years old and I, I it's kind of a quote that i have like it's always been there just out of reach just beyond me where you start to question if these things really happened at all because they're so out of the norm right. You start Absolutely. questioning your own memories. And to actually see these things in the reports was just mind-blowing for me, you know, and my sister, too. Well, you know, being at that age, uh, especially back then, a lot of people would look at you and be like, okay, I believe you. Yeah, no, we, talk, yeah. Right? we didn't talk about it. I mean, we were threatened not to talk about it because something bad right. would happen to our family. But also, if you tried, like, I can remember trying to talk to my girlfriends about it, you know, and yeah, you're right. They would be like, huh? And I have to laugh because I, I think I was one of the only little kids that thought like Close Encounters of the Third Kind was like a documentary, not like a sci-fi movie. <laughs> like, oh, what is that crap? You know, anyway. So, but yeah, it's just been one thing after another. I mean, there's so many different phenomena that happened at this property and also Skinwalker and other locations. As we know now, I, I found another location in Ohio Pile, Pennsylvania, who had very similar type of activities. Um, there was a report called the Ohio Pile Creature Case, where it involved big, you know, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, um, UFOs, orbs, um, these strange humming sounds that people are hearing, and police that are shooting at these things, a crypto creature, same thing. That was in Pennsylvania. And then, of course, you know, Trey Hudson down south. Uh, we have, um, there's the Blind Frog Ranch and the Bradshaw Ranch, and there's Marley Woods in Missouri. So these locations... Um, you know, it's not just one place. There are several different locations um, in the United States and perhaps around the world. And something I find interesting, I, I went to the United States geographical map and kind of just was looking at what the magnetism is in these locations. And they all ping the charts as, at being very, very highly magnetic. Um, really? It's like the lightest shade of pink. So the lowest is like a dark blue color. And then you go up the chart with the different spectrum of colors. And the highest magnetism is a very, very light shade of pink. And they're all in that highly, highly magnetic area. And then interestingly enough also, um, if you haven't seen it yet, I recommend watching David Pilates' Missing 411 new movie, The UFO Connection. And he actually talks a little bit about Laramie, Wyoming, and northern Colorado, and um, 
around Cheyenne, he talks about, you know, that a lot of these missing people, this happens around water, there's kind of a protocol that David goes through. Um, and he talks about these aquifers being underground, and how that possibly be could be connected to that. So just recently in doing some research on the ranch property, you know, I was asking if they were aquifers under the ranch property there in Elbert County. And yes, there are. So, you know, and that makes me question too, with Bigfoot Sasquatch, are there um, gateways or doorways down under the aquifers? Down there, I, I mean, could they be either interdimensional, I know that's controversial, um, but there's been, you know, reports of these flashes of light and then they're gone. I mean, it answers so many questions if, if they have the ability to pop in and out like that, you know? You're right. And, you know, I actually was watching David last night and I'm a big fan of his. Mm -hmm, me too. And uh, he actually had a group of scientists, I think, out in Colorado, I do believe, or Oklahoma, one of those, and they were measuring time in a space at a location at a distance. And okay. ladies and gentlemen, what I'm trying to explain is, is they were measuring if time at a distance was actually different. That means as you traveled from point A to point B, was the time different? whether it was a second or a half a second or a millisecond. Now, that doesn't seem like much, but if you stop and think of it, if you're traveling at the speed of light and then have a fraction of a second or a half of a second or whatever it was that the feet per second was actually different, then yes, a portal can actually be open. And that I agree. Calls where people could be disappearing. So make a long story short, where the location where they were at, the scientists did the measurement, they had the laser, they had the mirrors, they, they did the measurements, and the scientists were like, we have an anomaly here. The, right. There, there's a time difference between this location and 20 feet over there, there's the actual time difference. Right. And was like, wow, I, I can't believe this. Yeah, and I mean, that goes in a quantum quantum physics, quantum mechanics. And actually, um, I, I'm a big fan of Brian Green. And there was a really cool series that he did. I don't know if it's on Netflix or, or what. I'm sure it's on something out there. You can find it, Amazon Prime, something. But he did a whole series on that. And he talks about that. And they did exper experiments just like what David is doing. And I, yeah, you're right. It, time does change. Time is secular. Like we see time as a linear thing in our bodies and our physical bodies. But, um, you know, I, if you look at time is, is just you can go and place something on it, whether it's past, present or future, it all exists all at the same time, you know, and perhaps maybe there's ways to travel back and forth in that in some sort of way that we don't know how to do yet, but I think we eventually will figure out how to do that. And maybe with some of these, you know, there's been like Project Looking Glass and uh, right. all different, I mean, perhaps they've even experimented with this in the past and, and it became convoluted and scary and they couldn't control it. So they shut these projects down. Um, but that goes into a, another interesting thing when you were mentioning how you don't feel, um, that humanity is ready to 
hear the news of extraterrestrial beings. And I was joking, yeah, we're all busy watching the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> but I, I also think that part of the cover up isn't just aliens and ETs. I think part of what they're trying to cover up and control is what reality is itself. Like the power of each individual person's mind. Like if, if we all knew what we can manifest and what we can do as humans, we would live in a much different world and they couldn't control us as easily. And I think that's part of the secret too. You know, each individual human, doesn't matter who you are, we have abilities that have been just uh, diminished and kept down from us realizing that we have them. You know, I think that's part of the secret and cover up as well. You know, and maybe the ETs are waiting for us to figure it out. Like, man, wake up already. You know, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, you could be right. You know, allegedly, was it Roosevelt to send the treaty with the aliens and then hangar back in the 50s? Uh, the I, Eisenhower. Yeah, Eisenhower. So, you know, uh, who knows what actually transpired back then. Uh, right. But that's that's the thing about the government is that nobody is transparent. And when we do get the information, it's all black. You know, it's yeah, all marked true. out. You know. I have proof of that right here. Hold on. Right. You know, uh, Information Freedom Act. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here she's right. going to prove it to you right here. She's yeah, I know. So one of the things in the report um, from the Colorado Ranch was that, in Dr. Leo Sprinkle's file, said that two A7D interceptors crashed in pursuit of a UFO. And I'm like, okay, if two interceptors crashed, there would be reports of this. So put on my investigator researcher cap found the original article about the crash, blah, 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 and um, got the date and the time. And I sent a FOIA request into Kirtland Air Force Base. And they sent me, well, interestingly enough, before they sent this report, I'm sitting in, in Colorado with my youngest son who had just gotten his driver's license and we're getting an emissions test on his car. And my cell phone rings and it says United States Air Force. Oh. And I'm like, Oh, I better get this. So I, I, I picked up the phone and I, of course, I had him on my Bluetooth in my Jeep and me, Tyler is like dumbfounded. And I'm talking to the head of FOIA for the Air Force for like 25 minutes. Wow. And of course, I, I'm sure he knew if he just researched my name, what I'm into or whatever. This was a, this was pre-COVID um, when this happened. And basically, in a nutshell, he said, look, if you're going to send any more FOIA requests, for anything regarding that area, I want you to call me directly. Wow. And I was like, wow. Anyway, so I get this envelope in the mail and it's pretty thick. I mean, from the crash, right? Right. And, um, it's pretty, but here's what you were talking about. So this, this is where it's going into the um, transcripts from the tower. Look at that, ladies and gentlemen. Can you read and, that? Yeah, I can't. I've tried. I put it up against windows. I can't. <laughs> but what's really interesting about what I've learned about this crash, um, you know, here we go. You know, they, oh, wait, I don't know if you guys can see that. Hold on. Yeah. What I learned, um, they have several causes of the crash. And what the supposed scenario is, is that there was an instructor and a student that um, were scrambled out of Buckley Air Force Base, okay, at night, okay, on a training mission. 
Well, this is over residential like areas. Yes, it's it's very rural, rural. It's very, you know, there's a lot of cattle ranches and things out there, but still people's homes. And what I learned from this report is that they had 255 live rounds of ammunition on board. With a student pilot, why would you have live ammunition on board flying over people's homes? It doesn't make any sense. So yeah. what what one of the causes of the crash was that the instructor misidentified another aircraft as the students and hit the tail of the student's aircraft. Both, both planes crashed to the ground, were complete loss, obviously. Both pilots ejected, both pilots survived, so that's good news. Um, but they never identified in this whole big thick stack what the other aircraft was. They never mentioned it again, only the one time in this whole report. They never mention it's a Cessna or, I mean, nothing, just another craft. So to me, that seems highly suspicious. And then a few months back, I was visiting David Marler, who has one of the biggest archives here in the United States in New Mexico outside of Albuquerque. And I, you know, I like to go from time to time and see what articles I can find and pull this is kind of from my favorite decade and stuff. And I came across a article and a report out of Canada that they had scrambled two interceptors in pursuit of a UFO right around that same time they scrambled these. So we know that they've done it before and publicly, um, just like right now, how we've scrambled after these unknown things in the sky. They've done this in the past. It's reported. We, we have that. We know that they've done that in the past. So why wouldn't they have done it in this case too? You know, so it's highly, highly suspicious. Yeah, uh, a student and an instructor hitting each other in mint air. Mm, yeah, that's kind yeah. of odd to me. I, I agree. With yeah. live ammunition on board, like mm, right. doesn't sound likely. You know, it's you know how people are where they're not very good liars. You know. And they try to tell you a lie, but they're not good at it. But they're right. like, you're like oh, yeah, I really did that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was actually a weather balloon uh, uh, we shot down. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I, I, I totally agree with you on that. You know, there's a lot of things that doesn't. Uh, I mean, we can go back and look at a lot of things in history. Uh, I know uh, it was something for pilots it was a no-go for pilots for a long time not to even mention the word ufo oh uh, yeah you lose your job like yeah. crazy pull his yeah. pilot's license yeah took him out of the military and that's what's nice about this new bill that just came across it's kind of removing the stigma and it's allowing hopefully allowing whistleblowers or people to report these things without being ridiculed or without fear of losing their jobs, you know, and even passings they've been involved with. Now, however, I do believe that there's still going to be that, I mean, if you were sworn to secrecy and you sign non-disclosures and this, that, or, you know, you were in a compartmentalized program, you know, chances are you're still not going to come forward to this to this day, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe some people will start coming forward. I hope so. Cause I would like to know, you know, why NORAD was aware of our property, why Camp Carson was out there, you know, what was going on out there. Um, I, I know a lot of people, you know, I, I spoke with Richard Doty, Richard Doty, um, 
was a disinformation officer back in the day, you know, intentionally kind of diverting information. So we would believe that what is ours are UFOs or whatever, or, you know, look over here or why, why we're doing this kind of thing. But I, I talked to Richard in Laughlin um, and asked him if he was aware of the property in Elbert County. And to my surprise, he said that he was. And he also said, not only should you FOIA Kirk Kirkland Air Force Base, but you should also FOIA the Air Force's agricultural office. Wow. And I haven't done that yet, but I'm I'm wondering why would I do that? But I'm wondering if it's not tied to the mutilations that were occurring out there. We had more mutilations in Elbert County, Colorado than any other state or county at that time. And these were occurring across the whole Midwest. I mean, th these same kind of activities were occurring in, you know, Montana and Wyoming and Colorado um, into Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma, Nebraska. Um, I think a few in Utah and perhaps even a couple in Arizona. Um, but Elbert County was hit the hardest. I mean, this was a time people were actively looking for the perpetrators. People were suspecting religious cults. Pe there was a $10,000 reward from the Cattlemen's Association. That was a lot of money back then. Right. Um, people had loaded shotguns by their door. Like you didn't just go up to somebody's house at night, you know, without warning them because people were actively trying to find out who or what was mutilating these cattle and horse and sheep and whatever. And they, they were scared they were going to go to humans next. I also found, you know, that the Colorado Bureau of Investigations was aware. NORAD was aware. And in fact, in Dr. Sprinkle's archives, it said that um, Colonel something something out of NORAD said bluntly to the sheriffs of Elbert County to basically shut up and forget about it, that they have a directive to handle UFOs and Bigfoot. Now, what's interesting wow. about the Bigfoot out? What's interesting about the Bigfoot out in this area is this is this is in you know eastern Colorado, so it's not in the Rocky Mountains. Like Bailey, Colorado, is where Jim Mars has his Sasquatch Museum. It's you know very wooded. Um, you could see a family of Sasquatch living there. This is like mostly open area where you have cattle grazing and then you have these patches of ponderosa pines so you you would not have a family of bigfoot sasquatch living in these um i never know whether they're called bigfoot or sasquatch i i was yeah. told to call them sasquatch um right. out of respect um in the in the you wouldn't have a family of these living there all the time they would be seen they you know and so um, in the reports, in, in the research I've done here, um, and I know this is very controversial, and it's been controversial for a very long time, that these Sasquatches were connected to the craft. I don't know if they're like bodyguards or workers or uh, extraterrestrial species in themselves. Why couldn't they be? I mean, we have reptilians, we have ant-like people, we have, you know, greys, we have this, that. Why wouldn't there be a intelligent species of E.T.? Sasquatch. I mean, it would make sense, you know? So, and, and that's what was seen out there along with crypto creatures. And I've never been uh, somebody who really got into reading or researching about crypto creatures and like dog man or these large birds, but they were seen there as well. These, they, they were described as these large th um, three foot, almost like Phoenix type birds, right. um, almost like, you know, like, something that was, there's been like pterodactyl sightings, 
like time warp kind of things going on, just weird, high, strange stuff. And, and that's reported all over the country as well, you know? So yeah, I mean, how do you goes on that? and on and on, <laughs> right? It, it, it doesn't stop. And, you know, and, and I've talked to a lot of people that's been into this field for 30 to 50 years and, right. and they have told me just like you have said, uh, they have changed their mind in some of their stances and where they stand because they said, you know, uh, Grizzly, if you would have told me this 30 years ago about quantum physics, I would laugh mm -hmm. at you, right? Yeah. Uh, I would say they're flesh and blood only. Uh, right. You know, it is a very controversial subject. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a lot of believers on both sides of the fence. Uh, right. I tell people to believe what you want to believe. You know, people have their own encounters. Uh, they have their own experiences. I mean, you cannot denounce what people are encountering or what they are experiencing because it's not just one. It's uh, many and vast. It's, it's, right. it's a lot. Yeah. And it's not little Johnny running around at night drunk. No. And they suit causing all this little havoc, right? So right. We, I, I know we have people causing hopes. Well, we yeah. know that. Of course they do. Of course we do. There's always going to be a human element. And I'll tell you, that's something you really need if, you know, as an investigator or researcher or somebody that's in the field, you really need to put on that non-biased hat and just go where the data takes you and have an open mind to anything anybody encounters. Because I'll tell you, just like you, I'm sure you've heard it, you hear it all, right? And that's something with Dr. Leo Sprinkle going through his correspondence and he had kept all his um, response letters too. So this is the book right here. It's called, cause he always signed his letters, letters of love and light. He would say love and light Leo, but something I learned from Leo and um, we've sadly, he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, I always admired that no matter who wrote to him from around the world, no matter what, you know, even the naysayers like Phil Class, there was a lot of correspondence between him and Phil Class, whether they're um, his, um, his uh, you know, fellow researchers and investigators, whether they're somebody writing from a prison or children or they seem like way out there. He always took the time to be respectful and to respond to them. And he always just took the time to listen, no matter what you experienced. And I'm like, that's something that I would love to bring forward and I try to do as well. And I mean, it doesn't hurt just to have an ear and to hear what people have to say. And somehow, somewhere it will fit into the big picture. I always say we all have little pieces of, of this complex puzzle and we're just all trying to figure out the same thing. And that's, I'm really happy that these different um, areas of research are all kind of coming together finally because they used to be really compartmentalized where like a ufo person would never be asked to be on a you know bigfoot show or no. a paranormal show or no. there were all these like different groups they were and now, yeah and now they're they're starting to communicate and talk and work together and and that's been a long time coming i think it's so important because i do think um you know just like jacques Vallée, that these phenomenon are connected you know so and, and that's one thing I've been trying to do is I've been trying to strengthen the community. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to bridge that gap. Okay. Right. Now everybody always asks me, Grizzly, is that photograph or video real? 
And the first thing I do is, A, I wasn't there. B, <laughs> I didn't take the video. Okay, so don't ask me. And I am never going to respond either positive or negative because, A, I am not going to crucify or comment on somebody else's encounter because if that is their encounter and they say it happened and it did happen to them and somebody sees that and they get ridiculed and somebody else is going to come forward like, uh, I'm not coming now. No, Uh, Katie and Grizzly got made fun of. They got slaughtered on, on Facebook. They get made fun of. No, I'm not telling my story. I'm keeping quiet. Nope, I'm not. And that's what happens. Right. And a so, lot of these experiencers, too. That's why MUFON has the ERT team for a lot of these experiencers, because you can actually get PTSD from these encounters. I mean, some of these are very traumatizing. And you're right. If you're not listened to and taken seriously, you'll just shut down and go into depression and maybe, you know, start throwing them back, you know, whatever. So, I mean, it's a very delicate thing. And, um, you know, everybody has unique experiences, which, which kind of leads into a whole other, I mean, I, I, I try to go down these different theories, but there's been some really good work by very serious PhDs about people who have near-death experiences and trauma in their past and when they call it this disassociation. So when you learn to disassociate or people who astro travel or even remote view, when you learn to leave your body and you connect into something else, that basically you're creating like a, a, a corridor or a connection. And once connected in, you, you always have that. And that sort of answers the question, you can have a group of witnesses where, you know, these three people don't experience it quite the same way this one person did. And why is that? Maybe they're just wired a certain way to see things uh, just outside of, we have a very narrow perspective, right, of our senses. So, and then I also believe once you have an encounter, because they're like, well, why does this person have, you know, three or four encounters? Well, if you have something that shakes your world, shakes your reality views, guess what? Anytime you go outside, you're going to be looking way more than the person who didn't have an experience before. So the likelihood of them having a second or third or fourth encounter goes way up. You know, your awareness is is enlightening. Yes. And I've actually had grown men on my show would tell me that, hey, I never believed in all this stuff. And one day I was hunting and next yeah. thing you know, I seen this big hairy thing. I messed my britches. I about passed out. About had a stroke. And now I have PTSD. I can't go in the woods. I cannot even be near trees or a forest. Right. I freak out. I have panic attacks, and I have nervous breakdowns. And and I just I, I just get goosebumps even talking about it. And right. you know, it's sad, and because it really affects. I just me. actually met somebody. I can't I, I can't say what's going on, but just this last week, I was involved in a big project, and um, was in this local bar here in Elbert, and met some of the locals. And one of the locals did just that. He pulled up a picture. It's legit. You can get the metadata off of it. I'm like, why are you not getting rich and famous off of this? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. This has rocked our, our world. But it actually has a Sasquatch. And then you can see elk 
right there. So you can see how big the elk are and the Sasquatch. I mean, I've never seen a image so clear. It was, I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the smoking gun, you know? But wow. um, so it's still, and, and what I took from that actually, I'm like, when was this taken? This was a recent photo, you know? So that activity out there is still going on. And these guys are hunters, just like you say, they're out there just hunting and they have this unbelievable encounter and it changes them forever. You know, I, I was never really into, you know, the, the, Sasquatch Bigfoot world, but since um, just in the last few years, getting to know, you know, people out there with Trey and others that are in the community and hearing encounters from witnesses and watching shows like yours and that I, I've since become more and more interested in it because it's just like the UFOs. I mean, there's so many witnesses, witnesses to these encounters. It, it not everybody's lying about it. There's no way there's something to it. No, and, and you're absolutely right. And I always say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you believe in good, you have to believe in evil, right? If you believe in yang, you have to believe in yang, right? So where do you draw the line? Because every time I draw the line, I have to erase that line and move it further because something else comes forward, right? And it's strange because if you stop and think about it, you know, every time you see a picture of a alleged Bigfoot or an alleged UFO or alleged alien or a dog man. It's always blurry. Okay. Everybody's like, Oh, here comes another blob squad or another blurry picture, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm like, hold on, ladies and gentlemen, let's stop and think about this for a second. You're out in the middle of the woods. You're walking along, just whistling and humming, minding your own business. And lo and behold, you get hit in the back of the head with an acorn or a rock. You stop and you turn around. You see this eight foot, 900 pound creature. You are so scared. You're going to try to pull out your cell phone, remain calm, stand totally still and try to take a picture. Get out now, your tripod, set it up. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, even with other people, that you're witnessing something unusual and you're so busy in the moment trying to figure out what you're looking at, you totally forget to pull out your phone. I mean, we're like, oh my God, did you? No, nobody did. Oh my God. You know, and it's usually these fast glimpses of things that maybe just lie right outside of our visual reality. You know, we, we interact. I mean, this goes and we interact with who knows what. I mean, this you, you can get biblical here, right? We can interact oh, with well, demons and spirit now. guides and on and on and on. So this has been around since the beginning of mankind, I believe. And yeah, um, I, I, yeah I, I, I do believe, though, um, you know, I asked Leo that um, I, I got to visit with him right before he passed. And I asked him if he had any regrets. And I said, you know, you're not going to make it to see the answers you've spent your lifetime over 40 plus years researching and dedicating. And he took so much ridicule because he was one of the pioneers talk about, you know, uh, crazy, you know, all sorts of things that he faced. And he said to me, he goes, you know, he said, it's the journey along the way. It's the people you meet along the way. And he has no regrets at all. And um, he does believe we're getting closer and closer to, you know, understanding quantum physics and understanding time and understanding these mysterious, you know, portals, if you want to call them that. And, and perhaps maybe in our lifetime, we'll get closer to the answer. I'm hoping so, you know. Yeah, I hope so, too. You know, yeah. and 
back to the cameras, you know, people don't understand that uh, the technology we have, right, is that when you take a picture with the cell phone, it's not when you hit the button, the picture automatically takes. It takes it a yeah. fraction of a second. Well, that fraction of a second, you're actually turning and running at the same time. So that's why it's blurry, ladies and gentlemen. Right, right. And uh, we also know, and Trey can confirm this, Mr. Hudson uh, mm -hmm. will actually advise and inform you that we found out that the, somehow these creatures, however you want to define them, can interfere with trail cameras and, and oh. electronics. Very much so. Yeah, you know, they malfunction. Mal 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 they right. the batteries up, the mm -hmm. memory cards or whatnot. Yeah. So. The couple times I've been out there with Trey, we've always had experiences out there. And one of the silliest things that we did, because, you know, you'll hear doors uh, lock and unlock just at base camp. They always have people at base camp on the radios, whether it's Bob or whoever. And and um, they're, they're such a well-organized group. I love that group. They do excellent work. They always try to debunk and explain things that they capture. Um, but and they're very, very safe, safety first. Um, but there's always these uh, electromagnetic things, you know, with equipment, with phones, right. with that. And I experienced that just last week out here in Elbert County with my phone as well. Um, so yeah, they do have the ability to do that. But I was out there one time with Jessica Jones. I don't. Do you know Jessica? Yes. Um, the crypt. Yeah. And and mm -hmm. so. Uh, my, you know, I'm flying back and my flight wasn't for like four hours or something. So everybody had packed up and left the campsite. And I'm like, well, I don't want to sit at the airport for three hours. Let's just hang here for a little bit longer. And um, <laughs> we were doing like card readings and just doing girl time like that. And we look around and, you know, we're kind of alone there in the forest. And we go to get in her car to take me to the airport electronics in it were freaking out you know she has one of those newer cars all no everything way. was just crazy and therefore uh, a hot minute we thought we were going to be stranded there um there was one camper one dude and his wife way over and uh we managed to get him and he helped us out and we we did get out of there but that was kind of not very smart on our part to like stay there all by ourselves at the end when we know this stuff happens but yeah it affected the whole car the whole dang wow. car yeah. And, and Jessica said that that car was like that for a while, like a few weeks after. So, yeah. Nuts. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. And, and of course, you know, there are ways in, in, in MUFON, we do get, you know, a good 85 to 90 percent of what we get. We can explain to you what it is. We get a lot of Starlink reports. You know, we get a lot of satellites and, and it's always kind of funny because people are like, oh, yeah, it's the planet Mars. But you would be surprised at how many like planet sightings we get, because when you stare at a star or a bright planet and you stare at it for long enough, it will start to oscillate. And yes. if you zoom in on it with your cell phone, it looks kind of funny. Um, but, you know, so we get a lot of those kind of cases. But gosh, we're left with 10 to 15 percent that we can't explain away. And, you know, we do have very good photo forensics people within that, that can check for fakes and that. And we do have our hoaxers, too. I mean, that's one of our um, conclusions that we can draw is either a 
a hoax event, which is where somebody gets a model or gets in a costume and fakes an event, or we have what we call a hoax keystroke where somebody just sits down at their computer and writes up a fictitious story, you know, and typically you can tell those pretty quickly because they'll give you fictitious contact information, have silly names, have silly, you know, um, descriptions of what they're encountering and so you there's so many like little red flags or cues you can get when people try to hoax you every right. now and then i'm sure a hoaxer gets through with something but not very often <laughs> well, i mean it's gonna happen i mean it's, it's human nature everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame everybody right. wants to Gosh, start the process right <laughs> you know everybody wants to be intermingled with something uh, stop but, doing that out there because it takes our time to do these reports it really does it really, <laughs> it really does, does. And, and don't get me wrong ladies and gentlemen now we do have people out there and, and this is a serious topic it does have mental health issue, issues yeah, that's true and that is a very serious topic and that's why i say anytime that we deal with people uh when it comes to uh encounters we always take them seriously because we do not know their state of mind right or, um, where they're coming from so that's why we do not uh, make fun of anybody bully them of any way uh, shape uh fashion or anything yeah uh, because and that's a good point too just because you know and this goes into not only mental illness um just because you have a mental illness or, or if you're diagnosed with bipolar or depression or whatever the case may be doesn't mean you can't have a legit experience with Sasquatch or UFOs or whatever that doesn't negate that in fact perhaps these encounters um they you know they're interested in, in that aspect of our human psyche and our brain and the other controversial thing to talk about is whether you know it's one thing to be completely intoxicated and drunk but if you're sitting around a campfire and you're like on beer number two or you're having you know you're smoking a little something that also doesn't necessarily negate a legit sighting now if they're tripping on something maybe take a harder look at that like those are questions that you have to be really delicate around and just you know figure out what the scenario or situation is but again just because somebody has a beer or is smoking a little something doesn't mean they didn't have an actual encounter so you know those are things we all come across as investigators um and and you know we you have to be very delicate with that for sure yeah because you know, I always look at uh, the PTSD side of it, the trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, well, here, even Bobby Dizzle just said, uh, Bobby says, I never make fun of anyone who claims to have an encounter because they could have a ton of trauma associated with it, whether it's real or, repress or repressed memory. And he's actually correct. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And, and that's just being honest. And hello, bad mm -hmm. to the bone paranormal. He says, hello <laughs> there. Uh, but it's, it, it's, to the point and a lot yeah. of people don't think about stuff like that and you know people do have feelings and yeah. when people see that and people that do actually have the encounters like we said earlier they will not come forward and say hey i had the same thing happen like you did right and oh there, there's still things i don't talk about in even these weird boxes i didn't talk about this for years it wasn't until they had the experience at Skinwalker and Trey had his experience and I'm like, okay, because it sounds so unbelievable. And, you know, I'm pretty sensitive to like, I don't want to be called nuts or whatever. So right. yeah, I mean, 
and 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 that's a huge part of, of you know all of like the paranormal the bigfoot the ufos like you really have to be sensitive to people's encounters and and i'll tell you just you know like we mentioned just a little while ago some of these things may be et some of them might not be some of them uh, i've heard people that encounter these you know i've encountered the shadow figure so that's a whole other whole other thing or the hitchhiker phenomenon that we get on these high strangest locations, which I've experienced as well. You have people reporting these cloaked beings, almost like a, um, what's, you know, like the, the guy coming to get your soul. What is he called? Mm -hmm. You know, you have people, yeah, the grim reaper type of things. I mean, these are terrifying experiences and, you know, and, and for some people, um, they they come to terms with their scary um, encounters and they turn into positive, almost spiritual um, um, guidance or they have very spiritual lives later. I have found this with a lot of people um, that starts out scary and it kind of transforms into something positive. But but you do have those that have just terrifying PTSD that, that stays with them and they're working to get through this. And these people just need somewhere to go, um, somebody to talk to. You're right. And see, that was the biggest problem I had when I was taking psychology because I was always told my professor, I'm like, wait a minute, we are taking people, we are setting them down, we are identifying the person with a mental illness, we are, we are actually describing a mental illness with a subject, and we're prescribing them medication. But what happens if they're mm -hmm. really seeing people? What happens if they're right. really hearing voices? They're like, Grizzly, just take the class. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. Let's let's think about this. And they're like, right. Grizzly, take the class. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. Grizzly, take the class. I'm like, okay. And I took the class. Right. But no, no, we have to think point. outside the box. Yeah, that's a good point because, you know, you talk to people who uh, a lot of contactees and abductees send tend to kind of open up the third eye. Sometimes they're a little bit more psychic or have more intuitiveness to them. And um, so as you learn and you practice, you know, meditation and, and, and reading and all that, you start to discern what are your own thoughts and what perhaps, you know, you're hearing from guides or whatever. And, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, if you said that you would be put away in a mental institution because you're hearing Absolutely. voices in your head. So, you know, right. I mean, it is changing, right? I mean, people right. are, there is something to this. So yeah, it, it's delicate for sure. But if, if, if you don't mind, I would like to share with your listeners. No, um, absolutely. One of, so at the time on the ranch, um, mutilations were at, you know, all-time fever pitch, like almost occurring daily kind of thing. And so through my research, um, I came across a witness um, who was born and raised out in this area and her family actually pioneered the area. If you go to the local little museum there in Elbert County, you see all her heritage and all that. And she had moved to Wyoming. So I drove out to Wyoming to interview her and right out of high school, she married and they bought a ranch, uh, several hundred acres out in Rama, Colorado, which is very near where the ranch is. And um, her husband, was out on horseback checking the cows for calves, okay? And he came across a dead calf. And the calf had four cuts in a perfect square with the top of the fur removed, 
Okay, but the skin was still there. So he gets on the horse. He goes back to get my witness. They go back in their pickup truck. This was before cell phones and all this kind of stuff. When they got back, that calf had been completely mutilated, cauterized, organs removed, blood drain, no helicopters, no footprints, only the, the you know, the, the horse tracks. Um, she said it felt like they were being watched from a distance. They said it was really eerie. Like her husband came across a mutilation in progress. And the coolest part about this was, you know, we're friends on Facebook and she's like, Katie, you're not going to believe this, but I found the photographs, the Polaroid photographs of that calf. So I, I got to see the photographs. And then she had photographs of a calf who was killed by a coyote and when a coyote eats at a calf, it'll just jump up on its hind and start ripping the thing alive. I know that's kind of graphic, but she had photographs comparing the two. And when I heard her story, um, I was like, that was not that was not the military. And there's been other reports like um, cattle found up high in trees, you know, things like like weird or under big under big logs and things like this, like that the military cannot do. Perhaps some of them are carried out by military. I don't know, but certainly not all of them. So that's a whole other area. You know, within this field, there's so many different areas you can focus on. Another phenomenon going out there at the time were these black unmarked helicopters. And there's newspaper articles. I flew to Florida to interview Bill Waugh's widow and his son. And and um, she she pulls out this big binder and says, here, I've saved these all these all these years. And it's tons of newspaper articles about Elbert County from back in the day. And she allowed me to take it home and copy it all. A lot of those some of those articles you can see on my website, um, katiepage.net. I have a, a research tab there in there. You can read some of those articles. But um, I pulled a lot of names out of that. Um, but this phenomenon was just, you know, these unmarked helicopters, there were articles about that. And these things were chasing like young girls. There's articles written about this. And I'm like, what's up with these unmarked helicopters? What were they doing out there? And why are they menacing people? In fact, there was um, a research study done on that. And there was a, um, a book called The Choppers and the Choppers that really looked really at this helicopter, unmarked helicopter phenomenon. And it wasn't just in Colorado. Again, it was in several different states. And they were trying to figure out like, you know, was this happening in the day, at night, what day of the week, you know, was it heightened in certain months? Cause this went on for several years, you know, that this was going wow. on. Was, was this a military? What were they up to, you know? And if it wasn't the military, who the heck? Just like out in Northern Colorado, just recently, we had these forms of, drones that were mysterious. I mean, they got Colorado Bureau of Investigations, the military, NORAD, everybody's trying to figure out what these things are. Northern Colorado was reported on, you know, the news stations across the country. And it's still a mystery. We still don't have answers to that either, which is so bizarre. You know? That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. That's and that's very near Francis Warren. So, you know, where these drones were sighted wasn't too awful far into Colorado from Cheyenne. So wow. you wonder if it's connected, you know, and now these crazy balloons were shooting down or UFOs, <laughs> whatever they are. Yeah, right. I saw a picture yeah. on Facebook. It had a F-15 with uh, thumbtacks underneath the wings for missiles. 
<laughs> did you see did you see the the picture of the one that has the Chinese spy balloon and then three UFOs? <laughs> you yeah. know how they used to trap it. I thought that was brilliant. That cracked me up. <laughs> There's a lot of good cartoons coming out of this, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it, it never ceased to amaze me, right? It's it's all, somebody's always got a funny spin to put on something. You know, I love it. Hilarious, right? Yeah, but, I love it. You know, the truth is, is out there. You know, when we are we going to know? I have no idea, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it seems like every time we open a the door, there's another door. Every time we uh, go down a hole, the rabbit hole splits and goes deeper. That's uh, right. The tunnel is, uh, travels, uh, goes in different directions. And I mean, it's just more dark curtains everywhere yeah, we go. It, I mean, yeah, and it begs a question too, like, how much can we manifest? That's something I noticed really early on being a big fan of ghost hunters. I'd always watch like Jason and Grant would always have all this great activity. Now, I don't know if some of it's fake for the show. I'm sure some of it is, some of it's not. Um, but then you would see like Amy or somebody else who's a little more skeptical, they wouldn't have encounters. So then it started, I started wondering like, can we manifest things happening? You know what I'm saying? Do we create the phenomenon on some level, which would explain why we can open a door and another door and another door. So that's that's another theory. You know, can can we create this phenomenon and what what exactly are we making here? Um, but yeah, it just is it's never ending. And a lot of people will ask, like, you know, this happened so long ago. Why are you still researching it? And the answer is because A, it's personal and B, we still don't have answers. Um, so I'm not going to stop until, you know, somebody comes clean with me and, and tells me what they were doing out there. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, Another part I'm is fine, being... I'm Dick yeah. Tracy right now and I want answers. Right, exactly. And and the frustrating part of being a field investigator and working with witnesses and that is oftentimes you'll take their reports, it'll be an unknown, and the you know, they want answers from me or or the investigator, and I can't give them the answers they want. Like, why me? Who are they? What do they want? Where do they come from? I don't know. The only thing I could tell you is we looked at your case with a fine tooth comb and we can tell you what it's not. We could tell um, you it's not Starlink. We can tell you it wasn't Venus. We can tell you it wasn't a jet or an airplane, but I can't tell you who or what or why. Um, I wish I could. And that that's where it gets a little frustrating being an investigator sometimes because, you know, we're all out there wanting to know those answers. And really, if somebody claims to have them run, because right. nobody knows them, you know. And, and sometimes they may want to know too that a they're not alone. Right, that's the important there's, part. You're right. There's other people out there like mm -hmm. you that also has these encounters. Right, and that makes them feel a little more comfortable as well. Right, and, you know, and it's funny because I actually did a lecture a while back ago on uh, demonology and Satan and fallen angels. Uh, to beginners and, and uh, ghost hunters, because it, it kind of was uh, interesting to see these people starting out in ghost hunting and going out there and dabbling in things and not knowing what they're doing right. and bringing home things attached to them. And they're right. like, what in the world did I just do? What did I just open? What is, you know, I got all these things happening at home. So I did a little presentation for him and everything to help him That's out. That's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it 
it was there was some kind of study that was done and ladies and gentlemen forgive me i don't remember what the study was but you have to google it but it was a scientific study they put people in an mri scan and they gave them pictures of religious symbols hmm. and when they did that they took pictures of their brain and it showed the brain activity was very active compared to regular pictures of your regular surroundings so what I'm trying to say is that everything that was heavenly images, you know, like crosses, angel wings, chirps, and so forth, was you very heightened. Your, your senses were heightened. So that means you had more activity. You were more sensitive. So, yes, Katie, we're, so it does go back mm -hmm. to where, yes, you can possibly manifest things to yeah. happen. So yes, yep. that is a possibility. Yeah, both good and bad. And you bring up a good point, Grizzly, is that, um, you know, we can't necessarily give people answers, but one, we can make them feel like you're not alone and give them, you know, somebody to talk to and turn to. But I think it's also important that we have suggestions how to protect yourself. You know, I often tell people it's so important to um, document any, any, outside the norm activity you have, because, you know, you'd be surprised in a week, you forget certain details of an encounter, whatever your encounter is, you know, write down the time, how you were feeling, what was going on, every little detail that you can, and document these things, because that's how we start to find patterns and things, you know, and again, how to protect yourself and others, um, just little tips, you know, how to even, even taking pictures of things like don't zoom way in on a UFO, get the perspective out so you can get the tree line and the rooftops and, you know, it offers some perspective for us to go back and look. Um, so there's those kind of things we can offer people as well. And I think that's so important. Yeah, and I always tell people too, you know, just like what we're talking about is, is whatever field that you're researching, do not automatically assume that's what it is. So if you're out in the woods right. looking for Bigfoot and you see something strange, don't say, that's Sasquatch. Sasquatch right. is that. Oh my gosh, you know, you know, debunk it. Think outside the box. The Bigfoot you know, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, that hey, yeah, right. it could have been a Boy Scout, it could have been a turkey hunter. Yeah, don't been... shoot, don't shoot these down like they're shooting these. Don't yeah, go right. shoot them in the woods. You know, don't it, do that. It's funny because when we say don't shoot them down, I never forget when we first shot that Chinese balloon down. I seen a picture of some South Carolina guys out in the field in a cornfield in a in a duck hunting blind with shotguns and rifles up in that up in the air <laughs> shooting right and waiting for it to fly over saying we're ready right uh, did you yeah did you see that meme people are throwing bottles at it and stuff i thought well, that was absolutely. hilarious now, now that meme okay now this is what's funny with that meme that meme was actually taken out of kentucky out of shepherdsville kentucky uh that meme was made fun uh famous because somebody was flying a uh drone uh, over a neighborhood and uh, neighbors got peed off about it and they got their beer <laughs> bottles and stuff and they were trying to knock it out of the sky well uh the neighbor next door got a shotgun and actually took it out so oh no yes <laughs> well that's how See, that's my neighbor's dog shut up oh my gosh yeah that made the news for quite a while around here up in up up up, up here in kentucky so yes uh -huh. 
Well, yeah. one thing for certain with all with all this activity that's going on in this last week is people are looking now. And, you know, just like, you know, anything else, the reports that come in to move on, we slow down in the winter months because more people are huddled inside. They're not out, you know, hunting and camping and fishing and doing, you know, family barbecues. Um, but, um, boy, after A, after the um, move on episode on ancient aliens, we're getting all sorts of historical reports coming in, which is awesome because I'm one for historical reports. It's never too late to put in your reports, even if it happened decades ago, because there's still information to get gleaned from that where we can make connections. Um, but also with all these, you know, this activity shooting down, God knows what, um, people are looking looking at the skies again. So, yeah. Well, it, it's great, you know, because cell phones have taken so much away from things. Yeah. And out in society, everybody's always looking down. And even while people are still <laughs> driving, they're still texting. <laughs> yes. You know, and it's just, it's just like, oh, my gosh, are you serious? Right. It's really sad because, you know, we used to see on TV people walking in the mall texting and they would fall in a water fountain, you know, and get you know, Yeah, that that very thing. So I just said I just recently this last week spent some time on, on this ranch and um, I noticed that with some of the people I was with because I feel like with a lot of these different phenomenon there's a mental connection where you can kind of connect with the phenomenon, right? Um, whether it's Sasquatch or UFOs or whatever. And there were people there that literally were just this on their phone. And I'm looking at the tree line going, uh, is anybody else seeing this? What's going right, on? Right. They're not because their face is in their phone. So I guess if you don't want to interact with it, you can, totally ignore it and shut down. And I, I think the vast majority of people are doing just that. They're busy in their everyday lives. And I, I always have to laugh too, you know, through the years, we've had some very interesting speakers that have come out and given us mind blowing information that, it, you know, about, you know, S4 and Area 51 and whatever the information might be. And at the end of the day, you can learn this information. But, you know, right after that, for example, my mother calls and says, oh, I need you to stop in at Walmart and pick up my prescription. I'm like, well, I just learned about, you know, how aliens eat and all this stuff that we're right. all but I still have to go to Walmart and get my mom's prescription. <laughs> you know, so you still have to live life and you still have to go to work. And it is, you know, it is just what it is, but it's, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's, just keeps going and going and going. And I love the work and I love meeting people and, and hearing from other people too. So and, cool. And that's the greatest thing about this field is it never ends. It really yeah. doesn't. And, right. And it's the people that we meet along the way, our journey yeah. and yeah. the word that we get to spread and, and meet people and grow with the community and share the yeah. information with. To me, that's what counts. Right. That's, that's what really matters. Absolutely. So and just keep the drama people out. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. But well, you know what? Uh, how do people get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you by any means? Uh, yeah, you can contact me through my website. Um, it's just Katie K A T I E Page P A I G E dot net. 
Awesome. Yeah, you can you can get the book there as well. Yeah, again, this was um, a book dedicated to Dr. Leo Sprinkle's work, who is a pioneer in the field. And I took all these letters. It actually came to me in a dream. Oh, my God, if I find these letters interesting, other people will as well. I spent three years photographing letters and then going home and reading them and pulling out like the juiciest parts that I found were interesting. So wow. there, there, there's like ET craft descriptions on hypnosis, letters from children, uh, once one thing people wrote about a lot were like, was this a dream or was this a memory? Because they'll say like, you know, I I dream my whole life, but this one particular one seems so real. I feel like something happened to me. So there's a whole chapter on people um, that wrote about, was this a dream or a memory? Um, there's implants, there's marks, there's um, all sorts of things. Uh, it, one of the most interesting letters that I found was an early letter out of Snowflake, Arizona from the 30s, which no, was what? very was very similar to Travis Walton's abduction. And he is a credible witness. He was a, a pastor and was coming through Snowflake, Arizona on a bus and saw a landed craft, the blue, I mean, so similar to Travis Walton. So this was like a, a pre-Travis Walton in the same area. Um, so that was fascinating to come across. And people wrote from all around the world. So there's cool letters from Australia and Brazil and all sorts of places. So it was a really cool project to put together. So, yeah. But one thing I realized is certain things that I thought I was discovering that are new, um, you know, frequ frequency, vibration, different things. They were talking about that like, you know, in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. So I feel like we're kind of reinventing the wheel all the time because there's so many books we all have to read to catch up on. But now with the internet and these podcasts and all that, I think that's why I feel hopeful we're going to get some answers because we can communicate and learn so much faster than we ever could before. You know, before yeah. we had to read uh, 200 books and write long letters and put it in the mailbox. Well, now yes. we don't have to do that. You know, yeah, when I was growing up, we didn't have Google. We had to go right. to the library and check out the Dewey Decimal System and the index <laughs> file. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's the way I actually had to do things. It wasn't, we didn't have tablets and computers back then. We can just hop online and, and do everything. Yeah, and perhaps AI will, will, or these super smart computers will answer it for us one day. That's know, scary. Right? AI is, is coming to such a real reality, it seems like, yeah. anymore. It's it's amazing what's coming uh, true. Uh, right. Singularity is coming. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> but I really enjoyed you being on the show. I can't wait to have you back on. It's, it's been such an honor and a pleasure. Uh, it really has been. I really enjoyed it. Uh, there is so much more that we need to discuss. Right. Uh, so much more we have in common, uh, especially I'd love to have you and Trey both on. Oh, that'd be uh, great. Group. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, Trey, Trey just Trey. messaged me. Trey just mes messaged me just before the show. He said, hey, I just found out we're both going to be speaking at the Ozark the UFO Fest. So Trey oh, will be there. Awesome. I'll be there. Like, super. Yeah. So I'd love that's to be awesome. on with Trey. Uh, he's a good friend, a great guy. And yeah, thank you so much, Grizzly, for having me on. It was my pleasure. Oh, absolutely. I'll definitely have you back. Now, I've got a show with uh, Glenn, uh, Glenn Jackson's uh, Sport Cat. We do a show every Wednesday night at nine o'clock. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a live show. So he's a part of that group, too. Uh, but uh, yeah, but you're more welcome. Come on anytime. Uh, there's some other things I'd like to talk to you about on, on the next show. 
But okay. uh, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, and how will you get a hold of you once again? Uh, katiepage.net, K-A-T-I-E-P-A-I-G-E.net. <laughs> .net. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from Katie. Thanks again, everybody, for joining in tonight. Uh, sorry for being a little bit late. Uh, from coast to coast and around the world, uh, Grizzly wants to say thank you and good evening. We'll see you tonight at the next broadcast at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Take care, everybody. Good night. See good you night. Soon.